Dear God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for another opportunity to come together so that we can worship you. We pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we could again receive your word and focus on your message. In Jesus' name, amen.
but wholly trust in Jesus' name.
And uh, we pray for those uh, who don't have that cover this morning. Uh, we want to accomplish a number of things in this service. First of all, um, you have the opportunity to share prayer concerns uh, with our congregation, and they'll be shared with our Tuesday prayer group. If you'll raise your hand, Usher will bring you a note card if you'll just print very legibly, and uh, we'll share your prayer concern with that group. Second of all, um, we want everyone to be able to write something down in the middle of the service today. So if you do not have a um, writing utensil, if you'll raise your hand and ushers will bring you a pen or a pencil. Third of all, um, next Sunday is what we call Consecration Sunday. That means uh, we have one service. It's at 10 a.m., it's in the sanctuary, which is on the other side of the social hall, the one with the big steeple. Um, so we invite you to come to our Consecration Sunday service at 10 a.m. next week. It's where we will make our um, pledges for next year to this church to make sure that it can do all the things that we hope and dream to do um, for our people in this congregation and uh, for the community and uh, world at large. We have a celebration dinner here in the Family Life Center after that 10 o'clock service. And the celebration dinner is free of charge. It's going to be a Thanksgiving-style meal, or, or the food of Thanksgiving. Um, uh, will be delicious, and it's free, but we need a reservation from you. So we've handed out reservation cards for a number of weeks. Um, but if you've yet to do that, if you'll raise your hand and our ushers will take that card back up, even if you're not going to come, if you'll please uh, mark that you're not going to come so that we know uh, that for a fact, we will um, need, tomorrow night, we'll need to call everyone that we haven't heard from. So as many as we can settle in this service, uh, we'd be grateful to do that. And uh, So if you need a reservation card for the meal, if you'll raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. And then um, uh, if you'll raise it when you're done, the usher will come pick it right back up. We believe in radical hospitality here at Memorial, and one of the ways that we do that is through events. We have an amazing concert coming up this Saturday night. Um, Don Shapke is our um, traditional worship service um, pianist, organist, harpist. He's also got some friends that bring a dulcimer, hammered dulcimer. He, he's got crazy wacky friends that bring all, court, all sorts of great music. Um, but he has a concert Saturday night at 7.30 in the sanctuary, uh, Don and Christina Davidson. You've seen it on our website. You've seen it in the um, email newsletter if you've gotten that. And there's also um, posters on our doors if you want to um, look and see. He's had one concert since I've been here, and it was worth the time. It was amazing, and we encourage you uh, to come. Uh, there is no charge for it. There will be uh, opportunities for donations to support the music program um, here at Memorial. I'm going to call on our <laughs> children's director, Erin uh, Knight. She's going to talk about a couple things. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries. And first I want to ask our children a favor. If you didn't get a worship bag already, if you would get one, um, we have been practicing our five practices in Sunday school for the past four weeks, um, but we had to skip one because there's no Sunday school on Consecration Sunday. So we've been practicing risk-taking mission and service on Sunday nights and didn't study that. But we're going to have an art show with the children's art um, 
showing how they believe the church can follow the five practices, it will be in the hallway surrounding the sanctuary next Sunday on Consecration Sunday. And I don't want to leave out the important practice of risk-taking mission and service. So if the kids here would grab one of these, draw a picture, just leave it in the bag, I'll collect them, and um, we'll make sure they're up and posted next week. And I hope you'll all take a tour around the hallways and, and enjoy those because the kids have done a beautiful job. I will add... Um, that next week we have canceled Sunday night programming because we really wanted to support the opportunity for mission and service we have in delivering the Thanksgiving boxes. So there's no Sunday night children's and youth programming, but we will have Chrismon making in the straight room right after the consecration Sunday meal, and then we will um, come downstairs with our families, get a box, and deliver those to the families in need. One final announcement for passionate worship. Um, tonight, if your child is interested in a solo, sorry about the feedback. Um, if your child is interested in a solo um, on the December 18th, um, in the December 18th worship service in here. I hope you'll all join us for that special performance by the children. The kids who want to do a solo will come 15 minutes early tonight, so that would be 445. It is not a high-pressure situation. If they want it, they have it. Um, I would just like to practice that with them once before the whole choir gets there at 5 o'clock, and I hope some of you will take advantage of that. And um, do be sure you come on December 18th to hear the band playing with the children while they sing songs that support our um, sermon series, The Journey, at that time. Thanks. Thank you, Aaron. I'm going to call on Gretchen Hummerhouse. She's going to talk about a coat project. Good morning. My name is Gretchen Hummerkhaus, and I'm the coordinator for missions for our Sunday school class, Partners in Faith. And I just wanted to let you know some information, what we're doing as a class right now. Um, it was not able to be put in the uh, flyer, right? So I'm sorry about that. But um, what we're doing is we are collecting coats for the needy here in Greer. And I've contacted Greer uh, Ministries, and they are desperate for coats right now. Um, they were actually not able to fill the needs of a person this week. So they are very, very desperate for coats. And I know that we all have coats in our closet that maybe we are out of style for us, or we don't feel like wearing anymore, and we could give to um, this mission. Or brand new coats is always... Um, nice to have too. So I'm going to have bins outside of these doors and then by the stairs probably um, coming up, up tonight so that you guys can go home today, get in your closet, see if you have anything to give. They need anything from children's, infants, young adults to older adults. So they need everything. So we just ask for you guys to um, think about them even when you're out shopping on all these good deals and um, help people here in Greer. Thank you. Our emphasis today on our five practices is risk-taking mission and service, and so our consecration speaker is uh, Casey Carter. Casey, come on up. Casey is, I uh, met him first at Buncombe Street. He's uh, started a great um, program that supports people in a niche that they were not getting supported in terms of um, home rehab and living, uh, continuing to live in their home. Man, risk-taking mission and service, that is awesome. As my wife Kimberly will tell you, I've been a risk taker all my life, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about that now. It's a real honor to be here. Um, I appreciate Joe uh, giving me this time this morning. The Lord has brought us together. Daryl Richforth had a big part in that, and I thank you for that as well. Um, 
I wanted to, but by the way, I have notes. Otherwise, I'd be up here 30 minutes, and that wouldn't be good for anybody. No 30 minutes, no 30 minutes. But, uh, but I, I feel like I ought to tell you a few things about uh, myself and Emmanuel's Hammer here. Uh, I rededicated my life to Christ back in the early 90s, but uh, was too busy uh, with my career um, in the corporate world and providing for my family to really get that much involved in missions. But as I went along in my faith journey, the Lord through the Holy Spirit put a little nagging voice in my head that said, man, you ought to be involved in missions. You need to go on a mission trip. You really should be involved in missions. So it was 10 years later in 2001 when I took my first international mission trip to Mexico. And it was while I was there that week and in a couple of subsequent weeks and following years that I realized this is really where I needed to be and where the Lord wanted me to be. So it was, I guess you could say the hook was set or any other metaphor you want to use for that, but uh, he really put on my heart that missions was where I needed to be spending my life. And that was pretty significant because we still had two kids uh, that were just getting ready to go into high school. So it was a pretty big risk at that point to get off my couch where I had been and to go serve the Lord in missions. Um, it was from those experiences that the forerunner, I guess you'd say, of Emmanuel's Hammer was formed in 2004. And since then, we've been uh, providing uh, housing assistance to those that either have suffered a disaster or that were living in substandard housing conditions. It is our goal to bring them up from where they are to safe, sanitary, and secure conditions. Those are the three things we look to do, as well as spreading the gospel as we do this, because we give God all the glory in everything we do. All of the work is done by volunteers. Um, so those are folks who have decided to get off their couch and want to give back based on their love for helping those that are less fortunate. And 100% of our funding comes from churches and individuals. We don't rely on the government for anything. We, we uh, might get an occasional grant here or there, but uh, virtually 100% come from churches like Memorial and folks like you. So based on what I've just told you, the experience that I've had over the past 12 to 15 years, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that you cannot be in risk-taking missions by sitting on your living room couch or sitting in these chairs today once a week. You've got to do something. We have to take the risk of getting out of our comfort zone. And that's a risk. I guarantee you, we took a big risk, didn't we, baby? <laughs> um, so we got to get out of our comfort zone and give of our time, talents, and resources. 
You know, the uh, Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus, now this is Jesus talking, so it must be fairly significant, right? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Also in the Great Commandment, Mark 10, Jesus says, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Notice those two great little action words there, right? Go and love. Now I'm here to tell you that that takes a third action step, which is giving. You have to give of yourself. You have to get up, get out, and give in order to make that happen, in order to go and to love. Now, I would love to have, speaking of love, each and every one of you participate in one of our missions here in the upstate. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to China or Russia or my wife just got back from Africa. You don't have to do that. You can come join us on one of our mission trips just to get your toes wet if you want to. Uh, we have a project that we are doing a complete rebuild starting from scratch in Taylor's uh, the first of the year, which might be a really nice uh, area for you to, to look at, at helping us out. I will have more information in the back. You can also keep up with us at www.ehammer1.org. That's ehammer1.org. Number, number and we would love, love to have you be with us. But if there's nothing else that you remember from what I'm telling you this morning, please remember those three little words that mean so much. Go, love, and give. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you, Casey. You can hear more about Casey's story on the podcast for this week. And you say, what's a podcast? Um, it's a 15-minute audio show I do every week. You can get it on the website. You can go to sundayscripturepodcast.com and listen to it. It's 20 minutes uh, that will inform you about Sunday morning and also has a mention emphasis of which this week it's Casey uh, telling his story. Prayer concerns uh, shared were people affected by wildfires in North Carolina and to pray for Charles Burnett. Let's pray together. Gracious God, your creation is so immense and so amazing. And we think we have control of it. But in many, many instances, we see that your creation is far more powerful than we. On occasion, we humans figure that if your creation is retaliating against us, then we think it's your will to harm us or to teach somebody a lesson. Remind us, Lord, that your creation has both life and death, including our own. And that your creation provides such amazing views, places to live, things to eat, and places to gather. We pray for those who are experiencing weakness, who are experiencing loss, who are experiencing death, who are experiencing displacement due to various things that nature is doing around the world. 
We pray that loving hands that are your will showing up in those communities will provide people the things that they need in order to move on. Help us, Lord, as we get up from these seats, as Casey said, to be your loving hands in our community. In your Son's name we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I knew we had an action-packed day today, so I have a rather simple sermon for you that I hope um, um, will stick and be very clear that um, we can do, uh, live and breathe uh, risk-taking mission and service. Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 6. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So your first phrase is moving on from rejection. Jesus is sending out people to go tell others about the love of God immediately after something quite painful in his life. Uh, how many of you have grown up in Greer? Just raise your hand. Good, good portion. How many of you have lived here more than 15 years? Mm -hmm. Jesus was rejected in his hometown. He went to his hometown. He read them the text. He told them what he wanted to be. And they didn't care for it. Imagine if you felt called to something significant and you told those that you had known the longest that you felt it and that you were going to live it. And imagine those people saying, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Even worse, those people driving you to a cliff, threatening your very life based on you suggesting that you wanted to do something special for God. Now, to give those people credit who rejected him, he did say that he was the Son of God, the fulfillment of every text they'd ever read. Now, if one of you said, you know what, I'm thinking about running for city council to your fellow people who had grown up in Greer their whole lives, you might go, hmm, interesting. If you said, you know what, I'm going out for the tennis team. We're going to support you. I might be interested in ministry. Amazing. What can we do to support you? I may be the fulfillment of all things and the ultimate Son of God. What's that? And see, we might think it's odd or we might think it's funny. They think it's blasphemous. Can't say that sort of thing can't put yourself in that sort of elevated position. Who are you to say something like that? And so, he's rejected in his hometown. That would be enough, I think, for many people to go, forget it. He sends them out two by two. What was the last time? What's another famous time when they're going two by two? It's going towards a very dark period. 
these disciples are going out two by two in order to spread the word that Jesus truly believes, that they truly believe, even though what just happened in his home. Let's look at verse 8. These were his instructions. These are to his disciples as they're leaving. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if at any place you, if and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So let's look at your next phrase. I want you to experience weakness. I'm sending you out for a crazy task at a crazy time, following everyone saying that we're wrong, and I want you to take the least provisions possible. Uh, I don't get control of the remote very much, but when people leave the house, I can watch whatever I want. And the other day, I stumbled on uh, open range, you know, classic Western from, uh, it's not classic, it, it's uh, from like 10 years ago, but it's classic to me. And they're about, they've been building towards this conflict the entire movie. And right before the conflict, guess what they're grabbing? They're grabbing this thing, they're grabbing that thing, they're loading it in their belt, they're putting provisions over here, because we are preparing for the thing that we're going to have to do. Jesus says, I'm going to send you all out. Don't take anything. Okay, maybe there's people in your hometown had a point. That's crazy. Let's talk about the things he said. Food, money, and clothing give us security. Food gives us strength and at times gives us comfort. When we are doing the thing that we are struggling to do, when we are pushing ourselves further than we ever should, food can give us provision and give us comfort. Money gives us options. If something happens, Maybe we can buy our way out of it. Maybe we can um, buy a, a, a room. Maybe we can buy a trip. Maybe we can do whatever we need to do. We have options. They have no money. And don't take extra clothes. That's the craziest to me. You know, like, um, you ever see somebody pack for seven days to go on a cruise? Or pack for ten days to go out west? Or pack for like an overnight in North Carolina? And the bag is insane. Clothing gives you inclusion. You know why? You, you know we've dressed differently this morning. KC's got my standard blue. That's, I wear this blue shirt on Sunday mornings. Period. If you, look, if you watched every sermon I've given here, I've given um, 69 sermons. I bet 67 of them I have this blue shirt on. If we have the right clothes on, and we walk into a room, we feel comfortable. If we don't, if they're beat up or they're tattered or they're not the right ones, in fact, there's a scripture passage about that. We're thinking, oh, I'm not in a good spot here. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Don't take any clothing, extra clothing. And the general point is, I want you to experience weakness so that you are laser focused on the task and that you understand the people that you're serving who are currently experiencing weakness. You're going to have to stay as a guest in another person's home. 
How many people, what do you think the rate has increased when we go visit to a town of people staying in a hotel rather than somebody's home these days compared to 75 years ago? It's a good bit different. Staying in someone's home puts you uh, uh, in, in their uh, rules, in their structure, in their culture. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite comedians does a seven, eight minute bit about staying in somebody's house and how crazy it is. You open the door, you think it's the bathroom, it's the closet. You think, you sit, when you flip the light on and you leave it on, they say, who left the light on? Uh, it was me. Who left this towel over at me? You know, it's uncomfortable. So every point of discomfort, he's asking them to live out. Verse 12. They went out. And that might be, what if that was a sermon title? After everything he just said, and after everything that just happened to them, they went anyway. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So here's your last phrase. Heal wounded souls. Because that's the point. That's why we're here. We're not here for cool magic tricks. We're not here to be a, a bottle that we can rub on and get three wishes. We're not here for power. We're not here for authority. We're not here to get the things that we want. We say, hey, can I have that thing? Great, thanks. And if you give me that thing, I might believe in you. Maybe. Down the road. Heal wounded souls. That's the point. I want you to preach. I want you to drive out demons. I want you to anoint the sick. You know what's going to have to happen? For that to happen, the first two things, which are incredibly difficult. I don't want to spin your mind off the planet, but can you think of a time when you were rejected? Doesn't it come up like that? He says, you're going to have to move on from rejection, not one time, but many, many times. So he says, well, um, they rejected me here. I'm going to give it one more shot. And if these people reject me, that's it. And the good news is, Jesus understood that. He lived it and kept going to the point of ultimate, violent, public rejection. He said, you're going to have to move on from rejection. You're going to have to experience weakness. And if you can do those two things, then you could heal wounded souls. It could be yours. It could be that individual that is at the um, break table at work. It could be that fellow student in the cafeteria. It could be that person that shares a room with you in your home. If you're willing to do those first two things. Risk-taking, mission, and service is critical to the life of any church. And here's what I'm excited about. We've established a new mission committee that um, Daryl Richforth is going to chair that starts in January. They are going to obsess about finding ways to get people like KC in front of you on Sunday mornings. They're going to work on ways to get things out in the email and in the newsletter and in social media. They're going to give you a couple opportunities that are long-distance things that uh, some of us can do. But they're going to give us plenty of opportunities that are local things and one thing I asked KC on the podcast, I said, uh, you know, those people that, like, they see a door, is it right on the hinge? And just right in that moment, they just take it off and just shave it and put it back on the spot and everything's fixed for the next five years. You know those people? 
do you need those people? Or can people like me, they're like, uh, uh, what is this thing again? <laughs> Show me what to do with this thing again. Can you use that entire spectrum? He said, yeah. We're going to find local opportunities for the um, challenged and the gifted in terms of missions so that people will know that Memorial United Methodist takes risk-taking mission and service seriously. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we have rejected you many, many times. Yet you continue to reach out. More than anything you do, you pursue us with opportunities for commitment and covenant. And we are grateful for your persistence. Give us even a share of that will to move on from rejection. We know that you call people who were in tremendous moments of weakness, many of them by their own doing. You lifted them up, you gave them a chance, and they, in their weakness, lived out your will. Help us, Lord, to not focus on the things that hold us back, but to focus on the call that you've placed on us to experience weakness. And with all the meetings that we have, all the emails that we have, all the texts that we have, all the things we do for the website, all the things that we do prepare for services, traditional, contemporary, help us, Lord, to remember to heal wounded souls. What can we do throughout this week on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. at a Starbucks table, on a Thursday at 6 p.m. in a hospital room, on a Sunday at 8.45 after a meeting? What can we do, Lord, to look and listen and heal wounded souls? Draw us, Lord, to risk-taking mission and service. Amen. If you'll stand and join me in our modern affirmation on the screen. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. Please be seated. I'm going to call your lay leader up, Ralph Johnson, and he's going to do something you might not have ever seen in worship before. We did it here last year, and we've, I think you've done it in your past. But if you have a bulletin, there's a sheet in there. If you don't have a bulletin, you need that sheet, just raise your hand, and one of our ushers will bring you one. This is something that's part of our Consecration Sunday program, and it shows us a blueprint of the giving of our church. Uh, and I think you'll be surprised and interested by the steps that are listed there. Ralph, thank you. Okay. 
hopefully everybody's got one of those uh, sheets. Let me first start out by saying that um, you need to thank Mary Lee for heading up our consecration Sunday this year. She did it last year, and um, both of those years I encouraged Mary to do that. And uh, I believe uh, with all my heart that the reason that I'm up here today can be summed up in one word, payback. <clears throat> Over the past four weeks, we've heard several speakers um, from the congregation stand here and tell us what being part of, memorial, of the memorial family means to them. And I'm no different, so I'm going to say a couple of things before we get to the mechanics of the, of the sheet that you've got there. Uh, except for 12 years uh, away from Greer when I was in college and in the Navy, um, I've attended Memorial United Methodist Church. As a child, I was brought here by my parents. We just lived a couple of blocks away. As a teenager, um, I was forced under threat of restriction or loss of driving privileges to come. And then as an adult, after Harriet and I were married and moved back to Greer, we were lured back by uh, the friendship and the leadership of uh, George and Sue Strait. I can even remember attending the old sanctuary, which you may have seen pictures of, that had a bell tower. It sat on the same corner as the sanctuary now, but it sat at an angle. I remember when we tore that down and built the new sanctuary, and about a year after the new sanctuary was built, um, it caught fire, and um, I remember it being rebuilt. Um, we've had some great preachers here over all of those years, uh, but they all had one thing in common, and that's they moved on. They either were called to another church or they retired. <clears throat> so what then has made Memorial survive and prosper over all those years? Oh, well, I can tell you. It's all of those lay persons uh, who thought that the best place that they could be on any Sunday morning was in a seat or a pew at Memorial Methodist Church. Those same people thought... Um, that in times of joy, in times of grief or celebration, the best church family they could have was here at Memorial. And over the years, that's never changed. There's some of you out there who have been here longer than I, and there's some of you who will eventually be here longer than I have. Uh, for those who are relatively new to Memorial, you will soon discover that indeed there is no better place to be on Sunday morning than right here. Now let's talk about Consecration Sunday. During this coming week, each of us are going to be called on to thoughtfully and prayerfully think about, to answer this question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give? Now, you've got the insert that was in the bulletin this morning, and if you would... Uh, please take a look at it, and hopefully everybody has a pencil. And I want you to write down a couple of things. The first thing is that the numbers that I'm about to give you represent 293 family, families in this church, either singles or couples. Okay, so there's 293 people. Um, 
And I want you to know that the numbers, too, that I'm about to give you are just numbers to me, and they're just going to be numbers to you. The only person that has access to anybody's giving habits is the um, financial secretary of the church who is, who is not even a member of, of our church. Um, so, if you'll start at the bottom left-hand corner where it says uh, zero for the amount of money, I want you to write in 94. This means that 94 of those 293 family units um, are not recorded as giving um, or contributing to the financial support of the church this year. The next step, I'd like for you to write in the number 21. So that means 21 members give between zero and $4.99 a week. As an example of that, um, you can go buy two sausage biscuits and a cup of coffee at Bojangles for that amount. The, uh, the next step is uh, $5 to $9.99 a week. <clears throat> Write in 19 members. You can probably get into a matinee at a movie theater or I don't know about that. I haven't been in the movies in so long, but I know you can buy a large pizza with two toppings uh, for that amount. So the next step, <clears throat> I want you to write in 23 members who give 10 to $20 a week. Well, I don't know about the ladies out here, but I can get a haircut for that amount. I think my haircut is maybe $15 when I go to the barbershop. But did you ever notice that a, a bald guy like me has to pay the same thing as somebody with a full head of hair? It's really not fair. Exactly. It's like I, Joe and I got into an argument over something not too long ago, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I said, or a discussion, not an argument. And I said, Joe, if you and I both go to Belks and buy a pair of pants, they cost the same thing, and mine are a foot shorter. Okay, well, let's continue up the stairs. At each step, you can come up with some equivalent, just like I mentioned before, that you spend your money on each week. The next step is 20 to $30 a week, and that represents 30 members. The next step, 30 to $39.99, is 20 members. The next step, 40 to 49.99 is 13 members. 50 to 74.99 is 26 members. $75 to 9.99 is 25 members. $100 to $149 is 17 members. $150 to $199.99 is two members. And 200 and up per week, per week is three members. Okay, now if you would, take that same sheet and turn it over. Look at the left-hand column and follow it down until you come to a number that's closest to your weekly income. After you've found that number, now move from left to right and find the number closest to your weekly giving. Then move your eyes up to the top of the page and you'll see the percentage of income 
that that represents. During the coming week, each one of us will ponder the question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give? Is it possible for me to move up a step? Now, I know the ushers have already handed out reservation cards for the luncheon next week, and I believe they've picked them up, but if anybody has one that's not been picked up, please raise your hand. I see one back there. Remember that the lunch is catered. Doesn't cost anything. It'll be, like Joe said, a Thanksgiving-style menu. Um, even if you're unable to attend, I think Joe said this, but please fill out a card because if you don't, somebody's going to be knocking on your door or calling you to find out if you're going to come. Just as a reminder, we'll have one service next week. At what time? 10 o'clock, where? In the sanctuary. And then we'll have lunch here at 11 o'clock. In closing, I hope you and your family will set aside some quiet time this week. Turn the TV off. Put down that iPad. Silence that iPhone and talk and pray about what percentage of your income that God is calling you to give for His work in this congregation. Thank you. See everybody next week. We've got a good crowd. Thank you, Ralph. Um, if you'll just know that we are taking every step possible to make our budget as responsible as possible, We've hired um, some of the best people possible. I think 2017 has um, just amazing potential for our church and for our community. And uh, to counter that point, airplane seats, I think, fit Ralph a little better than me, and we paid the same price for that airplane seat. <laughs> um, our ushers are now going to come forward uh, for the offering, and I want you to know, at part of your giving, I know, is convenience. We're working to have every simple way that you can give digitally and whatever the other thing is, physically, right here, um, given to us. Thank you.
Please stand and sing this last one with us.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.